This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Call 805-372-0821 to schedule your no-obligation discovery meeting. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show, where we are working hard to be a threat to the Great Reset. We're also putting the man back in mankind because both men and women need men to stand up. Um, special request for the audience. We are um, setting up our own Rumble channel now. We've been connected to the uh, Godspeak channel on Liberty Station for so long. We're uh, pulling that out of there. So if you've been watching us on Rumble, please go ahead and subscribe to the new Bryce Eddy Show Rumble channel so that we uh, build it up there. We'll, uh, we'll be hanging out a little bit longer on the Godspeak channel, but we are going to be off to our own greatness. So anyway, thank you so much. Make sure you do that. That is a special request. Get it done. Today, my buddy for this episode is CJ Pearson, who is part of Prager U's group of talented young professionals. I'm jealous of this guy, and I mean this in a positive envy sort of a way. Because I watched him the other day on the uh, Tim Cast um, show, and you know he is wise. He is beyond so his years. I don't know how the conservative movement is making such wonderful people come up, but <laughs> anyway, CJ, how are you, brother? Doing well, doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, no, and and uh, and truly, man, you, um, uh, I, you know, you and I have met in like uh, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we met at Ampfest. We've you know hung out a couple of times in that regard. Yeah, but I was sincerely impressed with your commentary and some of the thoughts that you had to share on that particular episode. Yeah, and uh, you know we had already scheduled for for us to get together yeah. uh, when that uh, came out. But uh, but yeah, I, I wish I knew. Um, then when I was young, mm. what you know now, um, you. you know, I, I'm really uh, kind of enamored with what's happening amongst the conservative youth right now. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're a, you're a rebel. You know, yeah. if you want to be rebellious these days, yeah. you know, be a conservative, be yeah. a Christian. And, and that's cool. That's the cool thing now. It's like, who wants to be a part of the delusions that are happening all across our country? It's like, I can't go on the internet anymore, go on TikTok without being just inundated with people talking about their pronouns and this new item of victimization today. And it's like, I feel as if that is a very, very unsatisfying way to live. Waking up every single morning and saying, I'm oppressed in this way, or I'm oppressed in that way. And I think that what we should call it, what we should be really intentional about calling it, is that that is weird. You know, yeah. people try to demonize our side for believing in God, for believing in one another, for believing in that there are two genders, that there is mankind, as you said, it is weird to not think those things. It is weird to think that there are a plethora of genders or that uh, you know men should not be leaders or be providers. And I think that that's why when people are like, how can you be conservative? How could I not be? I definitely don't want to be running around associated with Sam Britton stealing people's luggage. So it's like I, I chose to be on the side of reason, and I'm, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, those, uh, those pictures that I, I think just came out of him um, – 
you know, next to the woman that he, he stole. You know, she's yeah. posting pictures of yeah. this custom clothing that she made. Yeah. From like eight years ago. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And then there's a picture of him in her dress, you know, because yeah. he'd been running around stealing women's so designer luggage. But um, uh, one of my favorite people is Kurt Schlichter. Um, mm. I've had him on the show a couple of times. And mm. the reason I say he's one of my favorite people is because his commentary is so bold when mm. it comes to these things. And one thing that he says is, we got to get the normal people back in charge. Let's exactly have the normal that. people party. Um, yeah. And and we really do need to kick these weirdos to the curb that have mm-hmm. been dominating our institutions and, and dominating our culture. Mm-hmm. Because the the very um, foundational things that they espouse are are mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. And, and not only weird, but they're terribly destructive. Mm-hmm. So... Again, I'm I'm thrilled to you know see guys like you coming up and you know taking charge and and being bold mm. and appropriately aggressive. Mm. Tell me about your background and you know yeah. how you found your way to uh, you know California where you yeah. live now and you know all that yeah. good stuff. Well, if you would have told me a couple of years ago that I'd be living in Los Angeles in California, um, I would have probably laughed at you. You know, I grew up in the South. I was born and raised in the state of Georgia. Um, went to Alabama for school, the University of Alabama. Roll Tide to any of my uh, folks back home watching. Uh, But I was very eager to get involved and make a difference ever since I was young. I remember being in the second grade. I had a great teacher, one of the teachers who uh, before it became popular today to teach kids what to think and not how to think. She was one of those original teachers who taught me how to think, right? Um, And I think that that was a huge part of my journey because I remember being in the second grade and we had a mock election. Of course, the candidates were then-Senator John McCain and then-Senator Obama. And we had to do what every good citizen in the country at the time was doing. We had to research the candidates, and at the end of that week, we were going to decide who we were going to support and who we were going to vote for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I remember watching this debate, um, sitting on um, the floor of my grandparents' master bedroom and watching CNN. And this may date me, and it can only date me so much. I'm 20 years old, so I don't know how old I can even make myself sound. But I was sitting on the floor watching this debate with Candy Crowley at CNN and not knowing obviously what healthcare reform meant or what Iran was or where it even was, but knowing that what they were talking about was fundamentally important, that I wanted to do that one day. I wanted to be there one day. Um, and so gave me a lot to think about, you know, after that, because I was going to have to vote that Friday. And I remember voting for John McCain. Now, that's not something I could ever think I would do today. Yeah. But back then, you know, I, I did. And the reason I did you, was you because... You had only a couple of options. So. Right. Yeah. We only had two <laughs> options. I, I, I was not advanced enough at seven years old to know about any third parties. But um, the reason I voted for John McCain was because... I grew up around in a military family, essentially. My grandfather served 20 plus years in the military. Um, you know, every single patriotic holiday, our entire front lawn would have like 800 little mini American flags. I still, you know, would see his, uh, his retirement flag that he got hung up, uh, in a shadow box or a wall, you know. I was never told that America was a place that I should be ashamed of. It was a place that I should be proud of. That's why he fought for this country. And so voting for John McCain, you know, hearing his story about what he went through and all those things, it was a no brainer for me. I voted for him. And but I remember coming back home and telling my grandmother that I voted for him. And she said something that I didn't really understand at the time. But as I've gotten more involved in this, I understand why she said what she said. She said, you must think that you're white. And Mm. what she was essentially saying in that was, you know, obviously to me, six or seven years old, I had no idea what identity politics was. I had no idea that 
in some world that the color of my skin was supposed to dictate my politics. I much less, I barely knew what a Republican was or what a Democrat was. All I simply knew is that the values that I had been around led me to vote for John McCain. But that was something that was a little bit freeing to me at the time, which and it's important to know is because I think a lot of people in the black community, they have grown up in a time where society has told them that because of the color of their skin, they're supposed to vote a certain way. They're supposed yeah. to think a certain way. But I was a six or seven year old kid. I hadn't had these blinders put on me yet. I wasn't listening to MSNBC or any of these things. I was just simply trying to figure out what do I actually believe? Where do I fall on these issues? And what was so interesting about my grandparents' visceral reaction to the way in which I voted is that I kind of like, I joke with them all the time. I'm like, you made me this way. I grew up going to church every single Sunday. Right. I grew up talking about the importance of family and faith and all of those things. I grew up in a fiscally conservative household. Just because we have the money to do something didn't mean that we always should. Uh, and those were conservative values. And so it wasn't a huge jump for me to make the move towards conservatism, especially as I learned more about the party and the ideology behind it. Uh, and so... After I did that, I got more involved in conservative politics. I first campaign that I worked on, and this is funny, I don't talk about it often. I, I was a Boy Scout. And I was 11 years old, and to move up in rank from a tenderfoot to a second class, you had to meet with your congressman. And so I met with my congressman to check this off of my list because I was looking to get promoted, and his name was John Barrow. And he was a blue dog Democrat, pretty conservative Democrat, um, a, a rarity even back then. I was a 24 14 election cycle, I met with him and I remember talking to him about the state of the country, talking to him about Obama and jobs and the national debt, um, things that I had become pretty familiar with just through my own studies and reading and all those things. And every answer that he gave me was very, very lackluster. It wasn't actually a solution. I felt like I was being lied to. I felt like he was just giving me talking points. And right. even at 11 years old, I just felt like that he was just being a politician and I didn't like it. And so I remember leaving his office, which was in downtown Augusta, home of the Masters, where I grew up, uh, and immediately Googling who was running against this guy. And I found the guy who was running against him. His name's Rick Allen, who is now in Congress. He won that seat. Amen. Um, and I, I called him. And I said, I want to come volunteer for you guys. Like, I just met John Barrow, and I hate this guy. I want to come now, work wait, with now, you guys. How old are you again? There? I'm 11. You're I'm 11. 11. Well, Go, yeah. Yeah, what, a, what a perceptive kid, though, for you to be able yeah, to wild, you know, pick yeah. up on the fact that this guy was snowing you with some talking points yeah. or didn't have real you know passion for it or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, it was like he was just going through the motions, yeah. and I... I I just was really off-putting, even for me um, at that age. And so I call Rick Allen's office, and I'm like, I'm going to show up the next day. I'm eager. I'm ready to go. So I show the next day the office, full suit and everything else. Um, <laughs> had no clue what I was going to be doing, but what I was going to be doing was knocking on doors in the Georgia heat, which if I had known that, I would have dressed a little bit differently. Um, but it was the start of an incredible journey. I remember knocking on doors, making wow. phone calls, talking to real people who had very real issues. They were telling me everything that was going wrong with them under the Obama administration about the hope that they did not have and they didn't feel. Um, and it was kind of, for me, validation of what that little six-year-old kid felt when he was watching that debate, that this is important work and that if we are truly going to beat back evil in this country, we have to be good. We have to be the light. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to do something consequential in a way that 
um, politics allows you to really do. And so after that, I made this YouTube video when I was just 12 years old. So fast forward after the election that Congressman Allen won. And um, I made a YouTube video kind of going after Obama. That video went viral. Um, got 2 million views overnight. I'm in the wow. seventh grade. Had no idea. It was just blown off steam to a new cam camcorder that my Democrat parents had bought me, which I'm sure they regretted that purchase after <laughs> that video went viral. Um, I have a funny story about that that we can talk about later. But that video um, went viral, and then for some reason, Fox News put me on TV with voice cracks and all, um, which I still have a little bit of resentment for, by the way. I've been I've been going on a lot more since then. Thankfully, the acne is all cleared up, um, and the voice is a little bit more consistent. But um, but since then, it's been it's been such a fun journey, and 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 the reason for me that I that I always talk about why I do it and why I did it was because I think that more young people should have a seat at the table and I think that they should yeah. be more comfortable about being vocal. And the reason is because we have the most to lose. Um, you know, a lot of people that are the most vocal here, they're older, but the reality of it is they only have so many, so much years that they have to actually really go through um, what the left is going to do to this country. But we have yeah. a lot of runway ahead of us, right? And if we do not get serious about fighting it back against this moral decay, this moral rot, this war upon the traditional values upon which this country was built, we will lose this country. Uh, and I think that my children deserve a chance at the American dream. I'm, I'm far off from that, but I think that they do deserve that opportunity. They do deserve that chance. And so when I say like that young people should be involved, I'm not saying that young people just should be involved. I think that we have a moral obligation to be involved for Amen. our own sake and for our children's. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you know, you need to know what's up. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so many of these kids are, are taking whatever prescribed narrative they've been given, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, from their parents or, um, from society mostly now and right mm -hmm. now it's coming from social media and all those sort of things and mm -hmm. so they're being you know force fed all these really stupid ideas yeah. um and and so you know you you need to uh, have young men and women figuring things out get you know getting involved understanding why they believe what they believe all that is super important mm -hmm. let me ask you a question about uh, growing up yeah. in uh, um georgia mm -hmm. um so you said that uh, i went to the masters by yeah, the way yeah. so that's that's that was your hometown yeah that's my hometown oh, wow. so okay, yeah, cool. group in Augusta. yeah not a whole lot to do there outside of the masters other than golf uh, we, yeah you know we we, uh, we tried to all get together and go out and you know dinner and things like yeah. that and um yeah, it was some limited. Yeah, uh, it's gotten got a little go. better. I was there yeah. for the holidays. I went down there for Christmas, and it, it changes every time I go down, which is which is great. Glad to see it growing. But yeah, growing up, it was definitely the Masters, which probably explains why I went to the University of Alabama. It yeah, but I mean, a it's, a, it's a you know, it's a small town, really. Yeah. Um, and I and I think uh, yeah, the, that the Masters. I mean, what an event to uh, to get to go to. I was yeah. pretty privileged to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, amazing uh, what they do to put that thing together and with all those people coming in to, to exactly. town like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. For the Alliance and Trust family, finance is in their blood. I grew up with them and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters, 
Now, even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance in Trust help you to plan for what's next. Visit aewealth.com or call 805-371-8020 to learn more. Um, but did you experience, so, you know, I grew up here in Southern California mm-hmm. and, uh, and I've talked about this with other people on my show. Um, and I grew up in what was really a post racist society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Specifically here in California, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing. We yeah. did not think about race. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't, uh, there wasn't overt open racism. Yeah. There wasn't, you know, any of that really going on here in mm-hmm. Southern California when I grew up. Yeah. Now it's kind of all over the place because the the left has brought back what I think was a dying thing for yeah. the most part. Now there's always going to be hate in people's heart. There's always going to be people who have, you know, hate for another person's immutable characteristics. Yeah. You know all that. But but were you um, seeped in it growing up as a kid? Was it mm-hmm. something that was in your face in those communities where you grew up? Yeah, no. And I think most people in my generation would attest to the same. You know, being in Gen Z, it's it's very post racial. You know, I grew up. You know, my, my first few years growing up up until the third grade, I believe I was in a majority black school district. It was pretty homogenous. And then I moved to the suburbs for just better education, all of those things. Um, and it was, I was now the minority and it was still not, there wasn't any racial tension growing up. Yeah. Kids just saw other kids as kids. Yeah. Um, and then even as we got older in high school, um, any like, groups or anything like that. It was a choice. It was like people decided to self-segregate, but it wasn't necessarily like, hey, this is my group, this is that group. People just chose to hang out with people with similar interests and, you know, yeah, which whatever is, else is Which them. in and of itself is certainly not racist. Right, which um, is just human yeah. human nature. And so, but yeah, to the point that you made, it is very real that, you know, like, you know, I think it's a Morgan Freeman quote. If we want to like actually get rid of racism, we just should stop yeah. talking about it, which is very real. I think that when you talk about oppression and all of these things, which is why CRT is, is so disgusting and evil to me, is because you teach these black kids that, they have a reason to not succeed. And if mm-hmm. they don't succeed, then it's not on them because they have an oppressor to blame. They have a system to blame. They have a white man to blame. And so it abdicates them of personal responsibility to actually right. have ownership over their future and what they can do, which is, I think, absolutely counterintuitive to actually helping people destroy narratives, help them reverse generational curses and all of those things. Um, but also, too, what's interesting is that in a way that my generation didn't have to go through when I was in high school, I didn't really have any experience with CRT and definitely not in middle school. But what we see today is it's happening younger and younger, yeah. which it is it, so unfortunate that you're going to have this weird sect of Gen Z, which really is very post-racial, which is like, you know, like you're white, you're black, whatever else it is. But then you're going to have these younger kids who are growing up and are saying, well, you know, I have this privilege or I am disprivileged or whatever else. And I think that is just unfortunate. It, it ruins children's childhoods, right? Because it's just like to go through life thinking that number one, you're responsible for all the pain and suffering that uh, that has happened to the history of black America and all of those things is a heavy weight to bear on your shoulders, especially sure. if you're an eight-year-old kid. Um, but also too, again, going back to what this does for the self-esteem and the psyche of black children, telling them that they are destined to fail. Because that is what CRT is doing. It's saying that you are destined to fail because every system in America is supposedly openly, actively rooting for your demise 
you are supposed to fail. But in the off chance that you are able to mitigate that or able to uh, overcome the statistic, then maybe you can achieve. If I had been told that as a kid, I don't think I would have watched that debate and said I could be on that stage one day. I don't think that I would have ever thought that I should request a meeting with my congressman. I don't think I would have ever thought that my political beliefs mattered enough for me to make a video in my childhood bedroom at 12 years old and say, people are going to listen to this and maybe they will actually care. That would have never happened because I would have been told up until that point that I didn't matter. Yeah. That my future didn't matter because of some invisible boogeyman that doesn't actually exist is going to keep me down every single day. It is disgusting. I think what that yeah. ideology is doing to people of every color, you know, it's harming the self-esteem of white kids, it's harming the self-esteem of black kids, and it's a, and it's a real evil. But to your point, we have we're going to create racism. Um, if we continue to go down this path, uh, because it's yeah. creating racial animus that has no role and no place in our society today. Well, the real truth is they're they're you know using race right yeah. for their own purposes. Uh, if we all looked the exact same, they'd figure out something else. Exactly. Um, you know, if we all you know they would do it based on the color of our eyes or you know or something. Um, well, the because of money the, you have the whole pr- the whole purpose, yeah, and and that is the other thing that they do is the the haves versus the have nots. Um, but it, but it's all it's a scheme uh, to gain power. Um, for the uh, political class and the elites who are looking to divide us, you know, it's that divide and conquer, you know, idea. And, uh, and so they needed to gin up racism again. They needed to make sure that it was a thing again. And it went from not being a thing when I was a kid to now being a thing that everybody's talking about all the time, including us right now. Yeah. You you said something huge there, you know, they're, they're ginning it up because they're trying to create divisions that aren't actually there. Yeah. Look at what's happening in East Palestine right now. Um, in Ohio, you see a federal government that doesn't seem to actually give a damn about those people, regardless of the fact that they are going through one of the biggest ecological disasters that ever happened here in America. Yeah. You know who probably feels like people don't give a damn about them? People that live in Chicago, people that live in Flint, Michigan, people that live yeah. in Detroit. And what do all of those places have in common? They're ran by progressives who are only told that their Black Life Matters during election years, right? And so it's like there are actually tons of commonalities between these people that we don't actively talk about. People that feel as if they are the forgotten people in America for whichever which reason. Um, sure, people blame the wrong people at times about why they're being ignored in progressive cities. There should be a lot more blame uh, pointed to the progressive policies that are creating the environment that destitution can thrive in, creating the environment that poverty can thrive in. But the same, you know, token, it's people that these elites don't really care about. They don't have to care about um, because they're not having to live in East Palestine. They're not having to lay their head down at night in Southside Chicago. And so I think, yeah, like we really have to recenter ourselves and really ask ourselves, who are we fighting against? Um, Because it shouldn't be one another. I guarantee you, Klaus Schwab at the WEF, you know, is, is, is so ecstatic when you have people saying, oh, I hate those Trump supporters or, oh, I hate this person who lives here or lives there. Well, there are real boogeymen that we should be fighting. Mm-hmm. And they're the people whose names that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Um, and the names that you do know that you're fighting are probably the names that you shouldn't be worried about um, in the grand scheme of things. But no, I think that I was think a very right. big point that you made. Yeah. Well, with the with the uh, black population, the uh, the 
progressives or the transgressives, as mm-hmm. uh, Ben Shapiro has been <laughs> calling them, and I think that that's appropriate. Um, they were clever, and they got the black community to trade one form of enslavement for another. Yeah, and they said, "Hey, we're going to take care of you guys," and they pat the black community on the head oh just you know give us your votes yeah we're going to give you stuff exactly but we're going to give you stuff that will enslave you we're going to give you stuff that will destroy the the you know black community and black families and all those sort of things and then you know we're going to pitch you against um you know another part of the population so that nobody can essentially rise up against what we're doing which is grabbing power for ourselves exactly and that's the you know sort of globalist uh agenda and the you know aim of the oligarchy and and that's the real battle we're in. Yeah. And um, I'm so, again, encouraged by what I'm seeing with the, you know, young conservatives who are, you know, starting to, I think, um, be those proper rebels that's fighting right. against the, uh, you know, dark empire. Yeah. So good, yeah. good on you, man. It's Thank awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So how'd you, uh, so how'd you end up uh, here? Yeah. Um, how'd you end up with PragerU? Tell me, uh, you know, what that journey is like. Yeah, so I went to school at the University of Alabama. Um, story starts there. Had a great three years there. You know, I, I loved Alabama. I love the people that I've met. But at just like every institution, um, unfortunately, in America, there was um, a push, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, to, to push you to the left and all of these things, um, which I don't think has any place uh, in our higher education institutions. I think you should be exposed to different ideas. I think that's real and valid. But I think there's a difference between exposing people to different ideas and then leading them to believe that those are the only ideas that exist. Uh, and so when I, you know, had the opportunity to, to you know, meet with PragerU and they had uh, a spot open up and it was it was just kind of like a great time. You know, I felt like I had gone to college. I had so much fun, probably a little bit too much fun. <laughs> um, but I was like, I want, you know, where we're at in America right now, um, we are at a time of choosing, you know, right, that Reagan, you know talked about, where we have to decide what type of nation we're going to be. Are we going to be a nation of open borders and lawlessness? Are we going to be a nation of opportunity and freedom and a nation that I can, you know, confidently say that my children will be glad to live in one day? Um, Because I think if I look around at everything that's going on around this country, it's very easy to get disillusioned. Um, But when I look at the work that PragerU is doing, it's very easy to get hope. And the strategy that they employ is very similar to my philosophy. If we're going to save America, we can't just do it by preaching to the choir anymore. Um, I'm from the state of Georgia, a state that no one ever thought would go purple, Mm -hmm. much less never thought would go blue. But it did. Yeah. Um, and there's some reasons for that, that, you know, that are up for debate. But nevertheless, it still happened and went blue. Um, and I think it goes to show is that we have to ensure that we are not just preaching to the choir, but we're growing the congregation. We're reaching people um, who may be on the fence, who may be straddlers, who may be sideline conservatives, who um, think that, oh, this isn't going to affect me. But it is going to affect you. Yeah. You know, I have many friends, you know, back at school, fraternity brothers who are super apolitical, um, who are starting to realize, like, they're coming for straight white men more than anyone. Um, I should probably start voting. I should probably start being vocal about what's happening. Well, you um, know, they're coming for strong black men, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the yeah. real the reality is, is, you know, uh, you know, we're we're the current targets, yeah. um, you know, for some of those reasons. But really, yeah. men are the target. Yeah, and it's, and it's, I mean, it's true. men who... You know, have the the good, strong, positive, masculine energy, mm. uh, who are leading families. You know that 
because of the family being yeah. the the you know biggest danger to these aims that's what they're coming for so yeah. you know they and, they have kind of owned the black community for, yeah, for yeah. so long that they yeah. haven't been worried but the reason that they go so hardcore after conservative black men yeah is because you guys are a big, big threat. You will yeah. crush and destroy their narrative. Yeah, and that's that's really real. If you look at Stacey Abrams in 2018 when she first ran for governor of Georgia, the reason she didn't win, Brian Kemp only won by 1.6%. The reason she didn't win was because black men were like, I, I don't like her. What is yeah. she doing for us? What is she doing yeah. for our community? Uh, and she was never able to answer that question. And it almost you know, happened again. Uh, you probably remember this clip going viral. Uh, Stacey Abrams went on MSNBC and was saying, I don't know why black men aren't behaving. I don't know why they're not acting correctly. Why are they mm. not voting for me? Because it's like, what are you actually doing? Yeah. And now we saw in this election, she lost by more than 10 points. Yeah, and so she, She's a wicked hag. Right. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. But to your point, I think black men truly are waking up to the reality of it's like, why do we have to accept the idea that, um, you know, that 93% of us should be voting one way all the yeah. time? Yeah. And also, too, our culture is about, you know, entrepreneurship. It's about wealth creation, all right. of these things. And that is not happening in a progressive environment. Um, it's not easy to start a business in California as it is compared to many southern states. It's not easy um, to be a self-starter. You have to go through so much paperwork, so much bureaucracy. Why do that, right? Um, and so I think that's really real. Um, but it's just – and I think that's why it's so important that I think conservatives and the right – truly go after conservative black men because it's yeah. the biggest opportunity you think conservative black men are okay with folks like dylan mulvaney going to the white house and being treated as heroes um or you know this idea that their toddler should be able to have a sex change yeah like it, like I, I like i talk about my you know talk to my dad about stuff like that and he's like what the hell is going on um and he may still vote democrat for now but he still acknowledges that that is weird which is why to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier which is why i think that you gotta kind of have to refocus the conversation a little bit. We've got to start reframing this stuff as weird because at the end of the yeah. day, it is a it is a part of human nature to not want to be weird. You want to be a part of the normal. You want to be, you know, like you, you can be rebellious and all of those things, but you don't want to be weird. Weird gets you bullied. Mm. Weird gets you ostracized. Valentine's Day is over, but the need to say I love you is never over. Finding a way to tell someone you care about them on a consistent basis is hard. At least it was until Good Ranchers came along. Say I love you with meat this year, but not just any meat. It has to be Good Ranchers. 100% American, hand-trimmed, steakhouse quality meat and seafood. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. That doesn't say I love you. That says I think you're as good as this old meat shipped over from Venezuela. Don't say that. Instead, use my code BRYCE to get $30 off when you order any box from Good Ranchers today. Nothing says you care more than prime cuts of beef, pasture-raised chicken, and premium quality seafood. You can get all of it delivered every four, six, or eight weeks at GoodRanchers.com. Ditch the usual gifts that just don't cut it anymore. Say it with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your $30 off with my code Bryce at GoodRanchers.com today. With a 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Forget regular flour deliveries. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat delivered today. 
and save $30 with my code Bryce. Say you're the best with the best meat in America from Good Ranchers. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get all kinds of hate for even saying that, but, right. but um, because no, um, look, not all freakishness is something that we should be celebrating, yeah. and yet the the more freakish things are now, the more the left is kind of embracing them, and they're exactly. taking us down to into these dystopian realms, exactly of of absolute crazy perversion. Um, again, you know, we we were talking about. Sam Brennan earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that guy was was hired first and foremost because he was filling, you know, some of this, you know, this, you know, like weird uh, woke category yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe he was competent at his job. I don't know. He yeah. was certainly distracted. Certainly by competent all the things, at stealing luggage. All so the things can... that he was doing was certainly distracting yeah. him. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he was probably dominated by, you know, his uh, his particular, uh, you know, perversions and fetishes fetishes and things like that. So I I can't imagine that he was uh, that effective at his job, but maybe he was. But we should never be leading upon, hey, look how weird this person is. Mm. Um, Look look at how they fit into some, you know, weird category. Let's uh, let's uh, put that front and center, and mm. that's been the total mo mm. of of the leftists. Um, you know, I'd love to to uh, get you to weigh in uh, on on one particular thing, which yeah. is so um, Matt Walsh mm. uh, went and did a, a pretty harsh, um, and I think appropriately mm. harsh, uh, so you can see where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, takedown of Dylan Mulvaney on his show, mm. and he got a lot of criticism from. Uh, other conservatives. He got yeah. criticism from everybody, as Matt yeah. Walsh does, but he got criticisms from uh, people in our community of mm-hmm. conservatives saying, well, that was pretty mean. You know, we, mm-hmm. need, to, we need to essentially talk nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been saying on the show that nice is actually a weak um, uh, character, uh, yeah. characteristic, and it's not a virtue. Yeah. Kindness is a virtue, yeah. right? But you can, you can, and you can tell the truth kindly, yeah. but we are, I believe, a little bit beyond being nice yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you on that. the choir. You know, being nice is letting someone who stole your seat uh, at the airport continue to sit there. Uh, being nice is giving someone some lunch if they don't have it. Being nice is not allowing people to tell your children that they are boys if they are girls or, you know, being nice is not allowing the fundamental values that America was built upon to be destroyed before our eyes. And we just say, well, we didn't know that was going to happen. And I haven't watched the the, the clip of Matt. I've seen the response to it. But I'm inclined from what I've seen the people saying, responding to it, to agree with Matt, even before I even watched the clip, yeah. because it's just like, we need to stop being nice to these people. Yeah, well, they, almost, they, yeah. yeah, almost all of them said, well, you know, okay, what he's saying is true, yeah. but, you know, he needs to say it nice. Yeah, and, and, and if it's um, true, what's the problem, right? Well, because, yeah. you know, we're, we're, uh, we are, uh, we've moved in our civilization past the point of no return in some respects, mm. and we, uh, during the pandemic, you know, it was seen that we moved uh, to, to the point of um, 
over civilization, mm-hmm. right? To again be become neutered, mm-hmm. because there was back in the day when a strong man, if you uh, weren't minding your own business, mm-hmm. you might get a knuckle sandwich, yeah. right? You know, there was that concept: that mm-hmm. mind your own business, stay out of my way. Yeah. You know, you do you, I'll do me, kind yeah. of a thing. But we are um, we are being um, wussified, yeah. um, and and now as a result, we've lost control of everything. Yeah. And so for Matt to err on the side of being a little mean, yeah. uh, um, in his delivery of truth, yeah. I think is perfectly appropriate. Yeah. And you, you brought up COVID, and that's a, a great example. There were people at the beginning of it when all of our freedoms were taken away. They were like, "Oh well, you know." we've got to like, we don't know who this is going to affect. Like we've got to like, you know, they, they're the experts. They're the scientists. They know what they're right. doing. And now those people are mad as hell. They're like, why did we let Dr. Fauci do this? Why did we ever lock down? Why did we ever do this? Blah, 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 blah. You don't know how severe things are, or how bad things are going to yeah. get until they get that way. And then by then it is already too late yeah. because we've been desensitized to the absurdity of, of all of this. Right. We were, you know, and, and I think when you look at this and, and, and to Matt's credit and we don't agree on everything, Everything, but to that, that is not something that should be platformed. And right. and, there, and and the thing is, like this guy is famous on TikTok. Dylan Mulvaney is famous on TikTok, and the primary demographic of TikTok are young children. Great point. So it's like, yeah, like why shouldn't you be aggressive in your disavowal? Yeah, we we of need his to lifestyle? say there. Here's the line: no further. And sometimes when you do that, you have to raise your voice. And yeah. you have to be a little bit brutal yeah. in it. And I'm down with that. Yeah. So I'm I'm uh, okay with Matt doing that. And I think that the conservatives that uh, that criticized him along the way are weak. Yeah, they um, got to open their eyes yeah. to the fight that we're in. We're in a moral battle for the soul of this country, and it's not going to be won by being nice. And that has always been. You know, one of my biggest beefs with some people on the right and some people in the conservative movement is that they would rather lose with so-called dignity than actually win yeah. and save the country, which yeah. is like, like, oh, we can't be as bad as them. We can't do that. I'm not saying let's be as bad as them. Let's just do what they're doing. Right. So it's like for these investigations, it was so interesting. We got the House majority. I was like, we need to investigate all of them, every yeah. single one of them. And they're like, oh, well. Maybe they we, did that to us. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just let some of these things go. Right. Just, like, you know, let's just oh move forward. Uh, no, uh, no, you heard it uh, from CJ and I, people. No more Mr. Nice Guys. No we more. are not going to be weak. We need to uh, We need to protect these kids. We need to call it out. Um, I think Matt is spot on by doing that. Um, you know, ruffling feathers right now is an okay thing, and we need to we need to stand firm. So, yeah. would you rather be nice or lose America? Is I think yeah. the question that these people need to ask themselves and Ooh. and and really be clear eyed um, in the way in which they do. Yeah. Well, the truth is, is it's not just losing the republic because I think in some respects we've lost the republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and you know, like uh, uh, again, my friend Kurt Schlichter, who mm-hmm. I admire greatly, wrote in his book, you know, we'll be back. Um, you know, there there might be another iteration. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the Roman Empire, that we come back and mm-hmm. you know we might rise out of the ashes like a phoenix. Yeah. But um, what what is at stake is our very lives. Yeah. And and I don't think people understand the true. Impl- implications of what's going on here and the desperate times we're going to find ourselves in yeah. if we continue to be nice. Yeah. Cause I think nice guy conservatism had a time and a place, you know, back in 2012 yeah, when we the, kept losing. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and then Mitt Romney era and things like that. Like, I don't think, I don't think the left was actively trying to subjugate 
people that disagreed with them back then. Yeah. I think obviously you had like the IRS targeting conservative groups and all those things under John Koskinen under Obama for a bit, but you didn't see like the weaponization of the DOJ against like conservatives like we see every single day and all those things. Um, but now it's a very different battle. And I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in that like, oh, they see us as equals because they they did at one point. They truly did. I don't think that is the case anymore. I, mm-hmm. I think they see us as viruses that need to be eradicated. Yeah. I think they see us as dissenters who need to be silenced. And I think that if you look at every single, and the thing is like, this isn't a radical belief, go on any college campus in America, um, go in any corp, you know, fortune 500 company and say something that's not, um, or a little controversial or not woke enough, or don't take that DEI course that you need to. Um, and you're going to see the consequences of, of and you're going to see how these people actually see you. Yeah. Uh, Which is like, you've just got to, you've got to wake up, you know, like you got to get woke. (laughs) Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bryce to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Bryce to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bryce to 989898 today. Yeah, you know, Yuval Harari, who's, uh, you know, infamous um, WEF, Mm. you know, thinker, um, you know, he uh, he thinks of us as worthless. Yeah. You know, and what are we going to do with all the worthless people? Exactly. What are we going to do with all the useless people? Oh, drugs and video games. Um, So that's what they think of of all of us. And that's uh, that's their aims. Um, so, you know, we need to, we need to fight back and we need to be bold and we need to be, um, you know, we're standing on truth and we have all the best ideas. Their ideas, um, never stand up to any scrutiny, which is why they don't debate them. Exactly. That's why it's very hard. Uh, although I do have a guy who, uh, will disagree with me on a lot of things coming Mm -hmm. on my show, uh, here in a couple of weeks. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But he's a, but he's a rarity because yeah. we'll actually have a discussion about our different points of view. Mm. But most of their points of view cannot stand up to the barest amount of scrutiny yeah. because it's based on childish emotional yeah. notions. Yeah, and they know it. And then to your point, they don't even ever really want to have the debate. You know, when I first got to PragerU, I was like, oh, I'd be so cool to like debate leftists and bring them in and do all of that. And they're like... They never want to come on. No, you never will. And right. Yeah. And so it's like you you can't build a show around it because you need guests every week. And if they won't yeah. ever come and debate their ideas. They'll spit on um, you on the street though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll 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 throw things at you, they'll attack you, they'll be keyboard warriors and send you death threats and all those things online. You know, it was funny, funny story from college. It was my um, sophomore year, I had went to uh, an event at the White House and took a picture um, there and all these things. And this girl, who I still remember, her name is Dana Sheets, I will never forget it, made a petition to get me kicked out of Alabama um, for standing next to a racist, a bigot, someone who was anti-democracy, President Trump she was talking about. Yeah. Um, and she makes this petition and it gets like 4,000 signatures from people who don't even go to Alabama. And I was like, okay, 
What she fully expects is for me to just lay down and let her do whatever she wants to, me not fight back, me turn the other cheek, and me just like sit there and take it. Unfortunately, she must not be familiar with me because I'm not going to do that. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a petition of my own. I was like, I'm not leaving. We, it was funny. Me and my, like some of my fraternity brothers, we made these uh, Jordan Belfort memes from the movie Wolf of Wall yeah. Street. And he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And I made a petition of my own. I said, you know, this is about free speech. This is about the idea that I have the right to disagree. This is the United States of America. Last time I checked and last time I checked here at the University of Alabama, there are a lot of people who still believe that President Trump isn't the worst guy in the world, that conservative thought is not a bad idea. And so I'm not going to let you take away my education, which is ironic that you want to do that because I thought black lives mattered to your side of the aisle, but I regress. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and so I made this petition. Her petition got 4,000 signatures. My petition got 80,000. Nice. And so I think the example of that is that that is what happens when conservatives actually fight back yeah. and say, I am not going to be subjugated. I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be ridiculed or robbed when I am standing on solid ground. And the thing is, she knew that it, what was so interesting. She blocked me on everything, made this, made, made that petition, but would never actually engage. What was so wrong with me being a young black man with a mind of my own who wanted to go take a picture with the president of the United States, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just it's 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 bizarre, but it, again, it goes to show these people are so sensitive, and they they try so hard to silence dissent because they know that their ideas aren't worth anything. They're all based in emotion, and they have no logic applied to them. All they're trying to do is gaslight you into believing that you are some racist bigot or some just you're the Neanderthal because you don't believe in and whatever woke BS that they do. Uh, and it's just, I've grown tired of it. I'm over it, which is why it was, yeah. I was so eager and excited to join PragerU because I was like, let's take back more campuses. Let's make, you know, let's arm people with truth so that they can raise their hand in these lecture halls and say, I think that you're wrong. Because one point that I've always made is that if you have just one conservative student in every lecture hall in America and they raise their hand and they can push back because they're confident, because they have the facts that maybe they got from a PragerU video or they saw from someone at Turning Point USA or whatever else, um, you're going to red pill someone else in that room. Uh, they're going to be like, wow, I never thought about this issue that way. Because most often, most kids go to college with a blank slate politically. They don't have any political beliefs. They have no principles, no ideas. Uh, and which is also an indictment a little bit upon conservative parents. Like the left is indoctrinating their kids from the beginning. Why aren't we trying to do the same? And I'm not saying we should indoctrinate them, but at least tell them this is why I believe what I believe as your parents. Like at least have that conversation because I think that when we send our young people to college as a blank slate, then anyone can pour into them and anyone can make them just, just like Plato. They can form anything they want to out of these young minds and these young people. And so, and then of course they're going to hear from PhDs, which they're, you know, they're ascribed this, you know, undeserved authority just because they have a PhD. And so they're going to take everything they say as fact. So let's actually arm them with truth so that when they're in these lecture halls, they can raise their hand and say, well, I don't actually think that America's the most racist nation in the world because if it really was the most racist nation in the world. Then how are the stories of Barack Obama and Kamala Harris heroes of yours, I'd assume, possible, right? Yeah, it's um, absurd. And then it gets other conservative students or conservative or students who may not have a political thought at all in their head saying, well, I never thought about it that way. Let me look into that more and maybe let me reevaluate the biases that I have that were just given to me um, that I've never even challenged. 